Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Hey, warm up, Lovey Low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got ourselves a tremendous podcast today. As joining me, we've got Rob Donaldson in segment number two. We're going to be taking a look at how he views some of these teams that are fighting for playoff spots. Who in the National League does he have a little bit more faith in than the other folks that are alive for the playoff race to be able to get the job done and be able to make it? To October, How does he gauge some of these teams in October as well? How does he gauge some of these pitchers that are high strikeout guys versus guys that are a little bit more pitch of contact? Because as we know, balls, when it comes to late September, early October, they don't fly out of the yard the same way that they do in June and July. So we're going to be taking a look at that aspect of things. We're going to be taking a look at a few games for Thursday as well with Rob in segment number two. In the final segment, going to get you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this Baseball Thursday as we touch them all. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my X timeline at one. Keep in mind, letters M, maybe does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a fun day of baseball on Wednesday. Let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Well, because the Greg Peterson experience is from midnight to three Eastern time out there on the East Coast on VSIN, if you're out west at a sign to midnight. Do have to do this a little bit in advance. So we got a bit of cleanup from the games that we did see on Tuesday as well as you did see the LA Dodgers in game number two of their double dip against the Rockies. They were just able to pulverize them by a count of 11 to 2. They were up big early when I was recording this and they were able to get that one to the window very easily. But also getting into the window very easily on Tuesday was the LA Angels being able to get the upset of the Texas Rangers by a count of 9 to 3 as the Rangers look to sew up that AL West big series with them coming up against the Seattle Mariners as you had Mr. Cody Bradford get chased in this game very early, giving up six runs over the course of four innings. 
including giving up a home run going deep for the LA Angels, Brandon Drury, 24th home run season, and Reed Detmers, who has been so unlucky this year. He gives up one run over the course of seven innings. He was dealing as you had Jose Marte of the Marte Parte be able to come in. He allows nothing in his inning of work. You did have two unearned runs given up by Colton Ingram in his inning of work, but the Texas Rangers weren't able to get a whole heck of a lot generated as you did have home run number four of the season for Josh Smith, but really past that, not a lot of offense. And for the bullpen, Jordan Lance, doing a third inning scoreless. Chris Stratton, though, he gave up three runs while getting just two outs. And Will Smith, he was able to get jiggy with it for a scoreless inning. You did see the San Diego Padres be able to get a 4-0 win. A little bit too little, too late for the Padres, but they can still get a winning record overall for the season as for the Padres, Seth Lugo was terrific. Eight and two-thirds innings. Very nearly got the complete game, but Josh Hader came in for the final out just to make sure things were all sewed up there as Juan Soto. Main form of offense for the Padres in this one. Home runs number 34 and 35 of the campaign as for the San Francisco Giants, you had John Brebbia serve one up as the opener, allowing one run and one and a third innings. And Alex Wood as a bulk guy was actually quite solid. He goes four and two-thirds innings, allows one unearned run, hurt by Ethereo Estrada. Throwing air, you'd had Ryan Walker from there give up the other home run, two runs in total over the course of an inning before Sean Hezelay. He was able to come in for two scoreless innings as the Padres and the Giants continue to be very good under teams. Uh, Giants overall for the season, 56.5% of their games have won under. And for the Padres, right around 55% of their games have won under. And going into uh, Wednesday, the uh, Mariners and the Houston Astros won a piece with regards to their series with Seattle being able to get that 6-2 win over the Houston Astros as you had Ty France turn into win France as he was able to get home run number 11 of the campaign. No ties in this one as he went deep off of Ryan Stanek as Stanek gave up that solo home run in his inning of work. You did have Bennett Sosa go one and a third inning scoreless Phil Maton. He was able to fire a scoreless inning as well but Rafael Montero he gave up a run without getting a single out and Christian Javier another rough start for him. Four runs three of which were earned, surrendered in his four and two-thirds innings, but there were a trio of errors out there by the Astros as well. And for the Astros, they went just two of 13 with men in scoring position as George Kirby was very good in a bend-but-don't-break roll. He goes six scoreless innings, allowing five hits along the way. Justin Topa did allow a run without getting it out of the bullpen, but Matt Brash, two scoreless innings, and Andres Munoz was able to get a scoreless inning as well. So that led into a Wednesday where I'm not able to give you a final score in terms of this one as I have to do this in a little bit in advance. The Mariners versus Astros, Rangers versus Angels, and Padres versus Giants game are going to be cleaned up on the podcast tomorrow. But DK Network right to pick, unfortunately, did not hit on Wednesday as for the Baltimore Orioles. They stranded the bases loaded twice as I had the over in that game. That was brutal, but they do get the job done by a count of 5-1. to one. Patrick Corbin, by the way, actually entered into this game. One of the most profitable pitchers in the big leagues as even with this loss, if you bet $100 on every single one of Patrick Corbin's starts this year, you're actually up $811 if you bet the money line in every one of them, but allowed four runs in four and two-thirds innings, including a home run to Adley Rushman, 20th home run in the campaign. From there, Andres Machado gives up one run in one and a third innings. Corey Abbott is scoreless setting, and then you had Thaddeus Ward come in. He allows a hit, and no runs was able to strand. The base is loaded, much to my chagrin. Meanwhile, for the Baltimore Orioles, Grayson Rodriguez continues to be tremendous. 12th straight start in which he gives up three earned runs or fewer. He's given up two or fewer in all but one of those as well. Five and two-thirds innings allows one run, and then the bullpen does their part from there. Jacob Webb along with Tyler Wells. They pitch Wells, both being able to go for a scoreless inning. Danny Colum 
four outs out of the bullpen scoreless himself. So the Orioles, they are one win away from 100. They are looking to keep at bay the Tampa Bay Rays, who still have a shot at the division. The Rays are up to 97 wins as they take down the Boston Red Sox by a count of 5-0. For the Rays, you had... Josh Lowe get low for his 20th home run. Season off of Ryan Bale and Isak Paredes. Home run number 31 of the campaign. As for Bale, he just fell off a little bit towards the final month of the season, giving up five runs to six innings. From there, you did have John Triver, Mauricio Lovero, along with Chris Murphy, all supply a squirrel setting, and absolutely nothing doing for the Boston Bats. Tyler Glassdale, he was able to go five squirrel settings, pulled after 70 pitches. I'm sure that that was precautionary. No injury to report as far as I saw, but Andrew Kittredge, Chris Savinsky, Robert Stevenson, Jake Diekman, all down the fort, all lend a squirrel setting. In terms of squirrel settings, you saw quite a few of them in the uh, Royals versus Tigers game as this game got suspended after they played about four, four and a third inning, something like that. This got suspended in the fifth inning and they're going to be picking this one up with the Tigers leading by a count of four to zero as it was not going well for the Royals. On El Zerpa had given up three runs over the course of two innings and Jonathan Bolin had given up one run in two innings and if you had a bet on this game, most Vegas books are just going to give you a refund on this one. Oh, East, always check your house rules because it can be a little bit more interesting there, but Tariq Skubal was really rolling eight strikeouts and four squirrel settings on 52 pitches. So, unfortunately, we weren't able to see the conclusion there. That is going to be wrapped up on Thursday. But certainly we were seeing some good pitching going down from Tariq Skubal that we got robbed from. He had the Cincinnati Reds lose to the Cleveland Guardians by a count of 4-3 to three as for Shane Bieber, he had a fever for getting outs, giving up just one run in six innings. Bullpen tried to blow this one on him. Trevor Steven gives up two runs over the course of an inning. Rinaldo Lopez and Emmanuel Classe, though, they're both able to turn a scoreless inning. Meanwhile, for the Cincinnati Redlegs, Andrew Abbott, not long for this game. Three runs surrendered in two and a third innings, eight total hits, and the bullpen from there was honestly really good. Dan Duarte gives up one run in one and two-thirds innings. From there, you got scoreless innings out of Alex Young, Buck Farmer, Ben Lively, Ian Gabo, and the Guardians. They continue to be the top under team in all of baseball, right around 57.5% of their games. A total of one under the total, and if you're looking just in the games at Cleveland, about 65% in total have one under the total, but they were able to get the job done there. The Chicago White Sox continue to look completely hopeless and lifeless. 3-0, to zero, they fall to the Arizona Diamondbacks as Luis Robert is on the injured list. The season is done, and the White Sox went 0-8 with runners in scoring position. Luis Patino did not have the start that he was looking for, giving up three runs to two to third innings, and a bullpen that stunk for the White Sox actually was really good. Yohan Ramirez, Tanner Banks, Garrett Crochet, Brian Shaw, they all turned a scoreless inning, and then Davey Garcia, 2-2 two two thirds inning scoreless. Problem was, they just couldn't get to Brandon Fott. Who had eight strikeouts and five and two thirds inning scoreless? Luis Frias from there and out of the bullpen. And then Andrew Self, Frank, Ryan Thompson, Paul Seawald. They are all able to turn scoreless innings to be able to get that one to the window. Many faded the Philadelphia Phillies coming off of clinching a playoff berth and I believe the top wildcard berth on Tuesday. And on Wednesday, they were still able to get the job done, even with not having their full allotment of guys. Seven to six a final as. Yon Oviedo got completely crushed in this one, giving up six runs over the course of five innings, including a pair of home runs. As you had 
home run number 10 of the season for Umando Sosa. And then Garrett Stubbs was able to get home run number one of the campaign. But Bryce Harper, his 21st home run of the campaign off of Jose Hernandez, was the difference maker as he allowed that's home run in two-thirds for nine. Colin Selby, four outs out of the bullpen, scoreless at Hunter Stratton, a scoreless setting. But for the Philadelphia Phillies, it was a bullpen that was able to get this one done for them as you did have Rangers Suarez himself also give up six runs. He went four and two-thirds innings, but you had from there Dylan Covey, Gregory Soto both provide a scoreless setting. Orion Kirking, hopefully I said that correctly. He also had a scoreless setting. It's right through Dominguez. Far outside of the bullpen, scoreless. So the Phillies, they get to 89 wins there. Garrett Cole pretty much has now put on lockdown the American League Cy Young. 6-0. The New York Yankees get it done. They are guaranteed to go at least 500 this year. Garrett Cole just completely dominant. Complete game. He gives up just two hits in this one. And Aaron Judge, he provided the offense. Two home runs in this one. 36th and 37th home runs of the campaign. He goes deep off of Jose Barrios, who gave up that home run. Four in total over the course of six innings. And then goes deep off of Trevor Richards, who allowed a home run. Two runs in total over the course of his inning of work. From there, you had Genesis Cabrera, J. Jackson, led to squirrel setting, but nothing doing for a Blue Jays team that now played 43 unders, 29 overs, and five pushes at home thus far this season. So they played darn near 60% of their home games. The under just have not been able to get a lot generated. And when it comes to the Milwaukee Brewers, they didn't get a ton generated against the St. Louis Cardinals, but they should be on their way to a win on Wednesday. As I record this, it's the top of the ninth inning with the Brewers up by a count of 3-2 to two and sending in their main man and Devin Williams to be able to close it out after Wade Miley had a party in Milwaukee, giving up one run over the course of five innings. Ebner Uribe, he gives up a run in an inning, but Joel Pyams, Andrew Chafin, they both lend a scoreless inning for the Brewers. They do go just 2 of 13 with men in scoring position, but for the Cardinals, currently deal with a lot of injuries. 1 of 9 with men in scoring position, and Zach Thompson, relatively solid start. Two runs, one of which earned, give it up in five and a third innings, hurt by a Richie Palacios error. Jacob Barnes from there gives up a run in his two-thirds of an inning before Matthew Libertor, Casey Lawrence, piecemeal together, two squirrels innings before the Cardinals. Four runs are fewer for them, and now six out of their last seven games, so that's been relatively grody. This is a game that's going on as I do this, but the LA Dodgers currently up on the Colorado Rockies by a count of four to one. It has been a rocky go of it for the Colorado Rockies, but not for James Altman. He was out, man, getting home run number 23 of the campaign. That came off of Noah Davis. For Davis, goes four and a third innings, allowing four runs along the way. Team is trying to hold down the fort with regards to the bullpen, and they were able to get a home run number one of the campaign from Sean Borchard. Borchard was able to go deep off of Emma Chien, who to this point has allowed just one run over the course of five innings. We'll have a little bit of cleanup there, but right now it's going well for them. And with regards to Mets versus Marlins, game number one of their double dip from Wednesday is in the books. You had the Mets just completely pulverize the Miami Marlins by a count of 11-2. Rare over in New York, by the way. They have played 62.5% of their home games to the under, but for the Marlins, they go 1-12 of 12 with men in scoring position, and Braxton Garrett did not have it in this one. Four runs surrendered over the course of four innings, including a pair of home runs allowed, as Pete Alonso go deep off of him for home run number 46 of the campaign, along with Francisco Lindor, home run number 28, and then Mark Ventino, off of Gigi Chargois, his ninth home run of the campaign for Chargois. Gives up two runs over the course of this inning of work. Steve O'Kurt, scoreless inning. And then you had five runs surrendered in the course of two innings, all of which earned by Emmanuel De Jesus. Meanwhile, for the Mets, relatively solid start out. Joey Lucchese giving up two runs over the course of six innings. Drew Smith, Grant Hartwig, Trevor Gott, they all provide a squirrel setting. And 
as I do this podcast. Currently, things are tied up by a count of 2-2 two two in the ninth inning, but the Miami Marlins entered into this game. 32-13 and in one-run games. I don't think that they're going to lose a one-run game because they just have an all-season long. And right now, they've got men on second and third with no outs as this Mets bullpen has been absolutely awful. Kodai Senga only went five innings, giving up two runs. A lot of pair of solemn runs. Guadip John Birdie, seventh home run season. AC Sanchez, 14th of the campaign. And Johnny Cueto, he could only fill four and a third innings, allowing two home runs of his own. Francisco Lindor, 29th and 30th of the campaign from there. AJ Puck is giving you five outs out of the bullpen. Scoreless David Robertson, Matt Moore, both supply a scoreless setting. And for the Mets, Anthony Kay, Phil Bickford, Brooks Raley were able to keep it clean. And it looks like Adam Adovino is about to give this one away. So... And it's not necessarily too great for the old Metropolitans, and this is not necessarily the look that you want if you're the Minnesota Twins as I record this. Currently, they are tied up by a count of 4-4 four to four against the Oakland A's in the bottom of the eighth inning. As for the Oakland A's, they were able to get a little bit going in this one as for the Minnesota Twins, Pablo Lopez. Not the start he was looking for. Gives up three runs in four and a third innings. Been a little bit all over the place this year. Dallas Geico, Yohan Duran, along with Emilio Pagan. And supplied scoreless innings to kill Theobar. Pair of outside the bullpen, meanwhile. Pair of home runs for the Twins. 15th of the campaign for Edouard Julien and Ryan Jeffers. He was able to get his 13th as for Julien. Goes deep off of the starter in Joy Estes, who allows three runs over the course of five and third innings. Kyle Muller gives up the other one. He only got one out along the way while giving up that solo run. Lucas Hersage, four outside the bullpen. Squirrels and currently Danny Jimenez. Making a mess out of the eighth inning as the Twins are now up by a count of five to four as well. So we've got a little bit of cleanup on the podcast tomorrow. And if you are taking a look at the game of baseball, we have seen a few more overs and unders thus far this season. But bookmakers have done a pretty darn good job with regards to these totals. 1,130 overs, 1,120 unders with many, many pushes along the way thus far this season. And favorites, they're in at 57.6%. 1341 and 987 straight up. But now we've had 340 favorites be unable to cover that minus one and a half run line. A lot of them coming in the last three days as favorites are 205 and 168 over the last three days. But we have seen a grand total of 53 of those favorites that have won outright not be able to cover the run line. Meanwhile, over the last three days has been quite overwhelming. 190 overs compared to 166 unders along the way. I believe we've gotten something like 12 or so pushes over the last three days and over the last seven days. Favorites starting to pick it up. 43 and 31 straight up, but we have seen 13 of those favorites not be able to cover that run line with the over going 38 and 33 in this time span with four pushes along the way. So that's where we're seeing Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we all got on late Tuesday, early Wednesday. Now let's turn forward to Thursday. Let's take a look at these playoff races and how to gauge some of these pitchers during the postseason with one of our good friends. As Rob Donaldson does great work with the show slash podcast, Rob's Best Bets. He joins me next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. 
If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back to the Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beast and Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by this man. It's Rob Donaldson. He does absolutely tremendous work with his show slash podcast, Rob's Best Bets Show. If you go to youtube.com slash his name, Rob Donaldson, you're able to find everything that he is betting on for the day as he does an incredible work on so many different fronts. I know that he, much like myself, getting set for what is going to be a tremendous college basketball season. You're less than six weeks away from that, and it'll be coming up right after we get through the baseball playoffs as he has been joining me all throughout the season, doing a great job on this front. I know that he does a great job on the football front as well, and you know, we'll take a look at him on X slash Twitter over at Rob DFB altogether. And Rob, it's always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Greg. And man, I don't know if you watched that Cubs game last night, but it's getting real, folks. It's kind of getting crazy in terms of who's going to shape up and who's going to make the playoffs because it doesn't seem like anybody wants it right now in that wild card. <laughs> oh, it's just like last year. I don't know if you remember last year when the Philadelphia Phillies and the Milwaukee Brewers were competing for that final wild card spot and they just kept on trading loss after loss after loss. But <laughs> I mean, that was absolutely rampant. And how do you view that NL Central wild card race? Because we've got a lot of teams that are still in it, no doubt about it. The Arizona that I've been on the Astros in that final series that I believe is starting up on Friday. And it's going to be very critical. The Reds are going to be taking on a dead Cardinals team to try to be able to get in. The Miami Marlins, they have to try to knock off the Pirates. So there's a lot of series that are going to be having playoff implications here in the final week of the season. And what's kind of crazy is you really don't know a lot of the identities of the of these teams because for the longest stretch run, it was, you know, you can rely on the starting pitching for the Cubs, the bullpen as the issue, but the offense at least is going to be there. Now it's like, their offense is kind of sometimes there. The starting pitching is kind of sometimes there. And the bullpen is still where it was three months ago, where it is just as shaky as all can be. And so when you are looking at a team like the Cubs, who really holds a lot of the tiebreakers and really drives that wild card in terms of that last spot, most likely, it's going to be interesting because the Marlins have been squandering chances as well as of late. The Reds have kind of been doing impressively well and hanging around just enough to really make an impact or at least be in the mix. But now they're struggling. They're down 3-0 to the Guardians in the fourth inning. So, yeah, it's really hard to figure out these identities of these teams. And it really doesn't feel like any of these teams, outside of maybe the Cubs, has a chance to really do any damage if they were to get into the dance there. Yeah, it is really interesting. And I feel like we were saying that a lot last year as well. But as we remember, you did see the Philadelphia Phillies who backed their way into the playoffs and somehow, some way, they were able to make a run all the way to the World Series. How much this time of year do you want to be taking a look at things a little bit more situationally and a little bit more game to game? Because we've seen time and time again these teams that they finish like just barely above 500. They squeak their way into the playoffs, be able to make a run while 100 plus win teams. I'm looking at you, the LA Dodgers, star near every single year not being able to perform in October. Right. No, I 100% agree. And when I bring up the Cubs and I'm mentioning, you know, their starting pitching just kind of being all over the place, that is true. But when you have a guy like Marcus Stroman, who is still working back from injury, 
he's one of those guys who I just believe in the term gamer because people like him exist. I want the ball in his hands when the game is on the line because somehow, some way, I feel like he's going to pull out six or seven strong innings and really give your team a shot to win. And that's also how I feel about Kyle Hendricks. And Justin Steele maybe a little bit more on the fence just with him being a younger guy and not really exposed to the spotlight like this. But he's also a guy that does feel like he might have that ability to him as well. And, you know, when you have two, three pitchers that can maybe get you through half of a series or through a full best of three, that was the method that the Phillies used last season in order to kind of, you know, scrape by and, and really get to the World Series on a run once the offense started really to support them as well. And I think it's really interesting that you brought up some of those names, like a Marcus Stroman and like a Kyle Hendricks is joining me on the show. We do have Rob Donaldson. He does great work with the show slash podcast, Rob's Best Bets, because these are more pitch-to-contact guys. These are not guys that are going to be going out there, going to be getting 100 million billion strikeouts or anything like that. How much do you look at these guys, whether it be to the positive or the negative in the month of September? Because as we know, when it comes to this time of year, balls that might have been flying out of the yard on these guys in June, July, they're not going to be doing so this time of year. And I actually do think that it is a little bit more to the advantage of these guys. You don't need to be getting 100 million billion strikeouts, but in my opinion, you can't be giving away free passes, giving these teams opportunities with men on base. And I do think that guys that are a little bit more pitch of contact actually have a little bit of a leg up this time of year. 100% agree. And that's what we see every single postseason as well with guys like Ranger Suarez when they're having some success. You know, you mentioned it. Even think back to April and May of this baseball season and some of these pitchers who have completely fallen off the wagon were prevalent because their fly balls weren't leaving the yard at that time of the year. And now we're kind of reverting back to almost the same type of mode where, yeah, these pitch to contact guys, you know, they're not going to be racking up the strikeouts, but you know what they're going to be doing? They're going to be racking up the pitch efficiency. They're going to be limiting pitch counts and they're going to be really lessening the strain on the bullpens, which matters so much this time of year, especially if you are a team like the Cubs with a bad bullpen and you don't really want to rely on it. Now, a team like the D-backs, I think, is going to find itself into some trouble because after Zach Gallen and after Merrill Kelly, they really don't have a lot of starting pitching. Their bullpen is a little bit shaky, even with the additions of like Paul Seawald in there. And they have been performing a little bit better as of late, but it's still not one of the stronger pens in the league, especially in the NL. And it's just one of those things where I do think pitch to contact pitchers really have a leg up this time of year. And especially if you're playing in Wrigley in October, somehow, you know, you get a home field advantage or if you just play two games there in a series, you're really in a good spot if you can limit those home run potential. Yep, absolutely. And I know you were mentioning the Arizona Diamondbacks. How much do you think that they have a good possibility of getting in the playoffs right now? Because they do have to wrap up their final three against the Houston Astros, but they were given the gift of all gifts this week in which Going up against the Chicago White Sox was about as nice as it gets, as they've got the worst record ever since the All-Star break of any team. And as of right now, it's hard to project forward for Thursday with the years of the Diamondbacks, DVD with regards to their starter. But I can assure you that if the two of us were going in a piggyback mode for the years of the Diamondbacks on Thursday, we might be favorites against Chucky Dusan at, at this point. <laughs> 100% agree. And I just haven't been a believer in Arizona really all season long. And I really was hoping they would do something near the all-star break because they had the capital to go out and get some starting pitching. 
but they really didn't. They kind of sat on their hands and made some neutral moves with maybe a good move in Paul Seawald and a move in Tommy Pham that I think has been underrated. But at the same time, when you only have two defined starters and really nothing after that, there's no reason why you shouldn't be going out and trying to make a move for one of these guys who were on the market at the time. And because of that, I think it potentially could bite them in the butt, especially like you said, going up against Houston. Will they have a whole lot to play for? Yes, I really do think they're going to have a whole lot to play for. And that's an offense that's absolutely humming right now. So is the D-backs offense. But I really do think the starting pitching is going to start letting the Arizona Dimebacks down. and this mix that we've been seeing with the Cubs, the Reds, and the Marlins, I think has one more team getting factored in there, and that's the Diamondbacks. And I really do think this is going to be an interesting stretch run down the rest of the regular season here. Oh, I think so as well. It's joining me on the show. We do have Rob Donaldson. He does great work over at Rob's Best Bets. And how do you take a look at the American League side of things? Because with the American League, we don't know how the game for Wednesday went quite yet between the Seattle Mariners and Houston Astros, but that's a very hot and heavy race. And with the Seattle Mariners, regardless of what happened on Wednesday, they're pretty much going to need to sweep the Texas Rangers to have any ghost of a possibility of winning the AL West. And right now it looks like they're just going to need to try to slide in by that final wild card spot with that big series between the Rangers and Seattle starting up on Thursday with Logan Gilbert, about a minus 125 favorite against Jordan Montgomery at home. Yeah, and the Mariners offense has been their really their Achilles Hill over the past 10, 15 games, and it hasn't really gotten a whole lot better. They did score a little bit more runs last night, but it doesn't feel like a sustainable form of offense that they've been putting out there. You know, this is going to be a tough one against the Rangers because the Rangers are going to score runs, and you're going to have to somehow match them. And we just saw, you know, this series play out, you know, a couple weeks back or even last week, rather, and it did not go the Seattle Mariners' way because, again, they just couldn't score runs. Yeah, they do have some starting pitching talent in terms of George Kirby and Luis Castillo that have been performing really, really well, but we even saw Luis Castillo kind of falter a little bit and give up four or five earned in his last outing as well, and Logan Gilbert is still dealing with some hard hit percentages that I think are going to be um, a hindrance to his success as well. They really got to find a way to produce offense, and Right now, if I'm a betting man, my mood has switched on this division race over the past two weeks like crazy, but I am once again now out on the Mariners. Just I need to see their offense come to fruition, and it really hasn't. Yep, I'm right there with you. I'm with the Seattle Mariners. Something that is rough about them is that they just swing and miss so much, and how much do you think that we have been noticing this year that some of these lineups can be based around one guy? Because we certainly saw with the New York Yankees and Aaron Judge. With Aaron Judge out of the fold, that team just went completely down the toilet bowl and teams have realized, oh, if we just walk Aaron Judge, nobody else can beat us. And it's really been the MO to the New York Yankees having their slide in the second half of the season. But when Julio Rodriguez is on, it feels like the Seattle Mariners team is one of the best in the big leagues. Meanwhile, when he's doing things like, oh, I don't know, grounding into a double play like he did on Monday with the bases loaded and one <laughs> out, this lineup has really been struggling. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think that's becoming a really prevalent thing, mainly because a lot of these starting pitching guys who are at the top of the, of the league right now in terms of, you know, maybe the Cy Young races or whatever else, they're strikeout guys, they're power pitchers, and they're guys who are going to challenge you. That's great in terms of, you know, yielding strikeouts and a lot of swing and miss, but they also run into a lot of hard hits. And when you're a team that is really relying so much on the solo home run ball or just extra base hits in general. Those guys can be capitalized on maybe once, twice, three times per game, but you got to put the ball in play to take advantage of some of these hard hit percentages that these 
pitchers like a Spencer Strider, for example, are putting out there. Lineups really are across the board cannot do that. You know, when you do see a team like Baltimore and why they've had a lot of success this season, it's not because they have one guy in particular, maybe Anthony Santander, who's, you know, just going completely off and just having a monster season. It's because they have multiple guys who are putting the balls in play and hitting the ball hard. And they're going up against pitchers who are giving up hard hit percentages. It's really not a complicated formula. And you look at the race, it's the same type of thing. But a lot of these lineups are really swing and miss or boom or bust. And the Mariners have definitely been one of them this season. Oh, they certainly have been. And Rob, I know that we were talking a lot about the National League playoff race just a few minutes ago. How do you feel about this team that is currently just off the pace in the Miami Marlins as they're going to be wrapping up their series against the Mets on Thursday with Asel Cesardo going up against a guy that has no relation but a great last name at David Peterson. But right now we're finding the Marlins as about minus 130 favorites. And then after this series, they're going to be going to Pittsburgh against the Pirates. And I think that this is such an intriguing team because they did make some moves at the trade deadline that I really like. And their home run power, it is up ever since the trade deadline. Yeah, the Marlins are definitely an interesting bunch. And I really thought this Mets series would be the one that would really, um, you know, sail them into a really good spot in the wild card. But, you know, as we're kind of recording this and they have a doubleheader, they got absolutely stomped at noon by the Mets. I think the final score was 11 to 2. And that's just a game that when you're in this spot, you really can't drop, especially when you have Seiya Suzuki dropping a fly ball in right field and really gifting you a, a leg up to tie up the wild card. Man, when you do look at the Pittsburgh Pirates, their series that they have coming up, the Marlins, you know, it's one of those teams right now where the Pittsburgh Pirates have a lot of guys who they didn't trade away at the deadline who are really swinging the bats well. Man, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates are not the the bottom of the doldrum type team that people like to perceive them as. This is a team that's really swinging the bats well, can put up offense, and is a definite threat to split this series, even win this series outright. That's scary if you're a Marlins backer because it might look like an appetizing matchup on paper, but the Pittsburgh Pirates right now have a, a decent bullpen in terms of David Bednar wasn't traded away he can close out games for you and they're still trying to win games so you know it's definitely not a cakewalk for this marlins bunch and at this point i think it's going to come down to the marlins and the d-backs in terms of who steals that last wild card spot and then how do you view some of these series that are going to be evolving teams that they're going to be making tea times within the next few days because (laughs) we do notice that on thursday that kansas city royals versus detroit tigers series is going to be started up Obviously, those are two teams that are not going to be partaking in the postseason because you've got so many series like in Rangers versus the Seattle Mariners. Everything is online for those two teams. Meanwhile, with the Royals and the Detroit Tigers, well, I mean, Cole Raggins and Sawyer Gibson Long, certainly they are looking to build themselves up for future seasons. But in terms of this year, their seasons are going to be done within the next few days. Yeah, and you know what's kind of interesting about the Detroit Tigers and the Kansas City Royals? This is going to be Miguel Cabrera's last little hurrah here at home against the Royals, and then I believe they have Cleveland coming up next. What's going to be kind of fun, at least um, from a, a fan perspective, about that Cleveland and Detroit series is Terry Francona's going out and Miguel Cabrera's going out. I'm sure there's going to be some kind of spectacle that they're going to put on there for the fans and for the viewers at home. Those games, I think, do carry a lot of value because, you know, these teams still care. And, you know, you can kind of imagine how the game flow is going to play out rather than just thinking everybody's going to sit. Um, And, you know, even with Cleveland kind of bringing them up, you know, they're throwing out Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie slated to start later this week. 
it's just one of those things where, you know, they are still trying, probably for Terry, even though these teams are out of it. I think these games are still bettable because of that sort of aspect hanging over the games there. Oh, I think that that is such a good angle to be looking at as joining me on the show. We do have Rob Donaldson. He does great work with his show slash podcast, Rob's Best Bets. And Rob, in terms of what we do have for Thursday, there are a few games that as we are doing this, they are off the board. But is there anything that you are going to be taking a look at, whether that's going to be a bet that you're going to be placing or maybe it's something that you haven't bet yet, but you might be taking a look at overnight. Yeah, I'm looking at that Marlins-Mets game, and I'm going to try to find some belief in this Marlins squad to get it done in their final game against the Mets in this series. And the angle I really love here is Zeus Lozardo has really turned it around after a little bit of a rough stretch in the middle um, about a couple months ago, a couple months back. And he's really performing extremely well in terms of, you know, building block for next season. I don't think that it's not going to continue in this matchup. And David Peterson has been running into a lot of hard hit percentages as well. So if you really want a strong play and one that I'm going to be part of, take the Marlins on the first five innings on the run line. And I'm pretty sure you can get some plus money out there if you're looking hard enough as well. Yeah, and with the Miami Marlins, I did set them for the full game right around about a minus 140 on that as well. And I do think that with Asus Cesardo, you do want to be taking note of his home and road splits as well, as I do think that we are going to be able to get a few runs in that game as well. And Rob, we're always scoring big whenever we get you on the show, as you do amazing work. Take a look at the game of baseball. You, much like myself, getting primed up for what is going to be a tremendous college basketball season as well. And you do great work on so many different fronts. So love the good people at home. No, it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. You know, thank you for having me on, Greg. I always love coming on and talking ball with you. And man, we got a fun little stretch run that we're about to go on over the next two, three weeks where we're talking playoff baseball and matchups that really carry so much gravity for cities and for fan bases. But for those who want to follow me and follow my daily bets, whether that's college football, NFL or MLB, you can do so on Twitter or on X at RobDFB. And you can also go to YouTube and just type in my name, Rob Donaldson, and you can find my videos that I post each week as well. So those would definitely be the best places to find me. And once again, thank you for having me on, Greg. Rob does an absolutely tremendous job. Take a look at the game of baseball. When it comes to college basketball season, he's going to be doing a tremendous job on that front. And every single time he joins this podcast, lends tremendous insights. A big thanks, Rob, for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this Baseball Thursday as we catch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. 
When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here with Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by Rob Donaldson. He does great work over at the show slash podcast, Rob's Best Bets. You go to youtube.com slash Rob Donaldson. It is up there five plus days a week. Does a great job taking a look at the landscape of baseball. He has joined me a lot to talk college basketball. Does amazing work there. You name it, he does it. Always great to be able to get him aboard. Big thanks to Rob for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis. And every game on the betting board for this Baseball Thursday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter slash X feed at GUnit underscore 81. We are going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, then the Interleague games. These are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice and clean and easy. So... Without further ado, let's dive in on this first game of 951-952. On the betting board, the St. Louis Cardinals are on the road facing up against the Milwaukee Brewers as Mr. Corbin Burns is on the bump for the Brewers. Dakota Hudson goes for the Cardinals. Cardinals are underdogs between plus 150 and plus 166. Meanwhile, with the crew, find them any between minus 175 to minus 185. And if you're looking at that run line, laying run and half, Getting between plus 105 to plus 115 with the Brewers 7.5 to 8 is the total. On the 8, under is minus 120. The over is even on the 7.5. Over is minus 120, and the under is even. And I did set my total at an 8.1. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. Well, this is just because that St. Louis Cardinals bullpen it is not great in support of Dakota Hudson, which the record of Dakota Hudson is 6-2, and two, and this is a big reason why you don't judge starting pitchers based on record and record alone. With that 6-2 record, he's got a 4.95 ERA, 5.14 fielding independent. He has given up 3-plus runs in 3 out of his last 4 starts, 3-plus walks surrendered in 3 out of his last 4 starts, and I'm not even kidding when I say this, despite the fact that he's got these wins, his strikeouts per 9 rate is 5, and he has recorded a grand total of 9 strikeouts in his last 5 starts, going 5-plus innings in every one of them. Certainly not getting swings and misses, and he's doing this while giving up 3.7 walks, Per nine innings. It's just ugly the way that he pitches in general. Meanwhile, with Corbin Burns, you always do want to note that he does have different splits when it comes to home and road. 
typically throughout his career. His home ERA has been about 0.6, 0.7 points higher than his road ERA, but it's even more demonstrative this year. 450 home ERA, 277 ERA on the road. At home, he has given up about 1.4 home runs per nine innings on the road. This is more around 0.8, 0.75 home runs per nine innings. So, has been a little bit of a different pitcher, but certainly is backed up by the better bullpen for the Brewers. Since the All-Star break, they've got the number one bullpen ERA in the big leagues. You've got a very good, fearsome foursome with the same Joe Piamps, the closer to Evan Williams, Abner Uribe, Hobie Milner, all these guys giving you a sub-255 ERA. J.B. Bukakis, when he's been in there, has been able to do a relatively rock-solid job as well. Now, with the Brewers, they can be a little bit hit or miss in regards to their lineup, but I do like what they get at the top out of William Contreras, Christian Yelich. A pair of guys that are both giving you about a 360 on base, combined 36 home runs. They have been not getting a ton this second half of the season out of Riley Detellez ever since he has come off the injury list. And what they did at the trade deadline was push out some of those dead bats that did cause them to be one of the worst offenses in the big leagues, like Bryce Chirang, Joey Weimer, Blake Perkins. These are guys that have not been getting a lot of at-bats recently. Instead, you bring up Sal Free, like Andrew Marisario, guys that are able to give you north of a 335 on base. Carlos Santana, since he got to town, has been able to give you a home run every about 18 to 19 at-bats. You've been able to get good efforts out of all these guys. And for St. Louis, it has been a little bit rough for the offense recently because they did lose in the fold, the two Nolans, Nolan Arenado, along Nolan Gorman. As a result, his team has scored four runs or fewer in pretty much 10 out of their last 12 games entering into the game on Wednesday. But you still do have Paul Goldschmidt giving you good effort, 20-plus home runs. He's done a nice job of being able to move the line with about a 365 on base. Lars Zupar gives you a good on base as well. And now they're looking to the young guys that have really not produced a lot. Let's call it what it is. Juan Yepes, Luke and Baker. Mason Wynn, these guys have been hitting below 225. Not a lot of pop, though. Richie Palacios, he's been able to do a solid job. Five home runs at his first 75 at-bats. Has a good slugging percentage. But for the St. Louis Cardinals, really, other than what you've been able to get out of Ryan Elsley, all-star closer from last year that's been able to give you a sub-3 ERA, nobody else is below 385 ERA. These guys like Casey Lawrence, Drew Verhagen, Jacob Barnes, they're just not giving you a whole lot of life. I do think that Corbin Burns is going to be highly effective in this start. I do think that they're going to get to Dakota Hudson, who just, once again, he pitches in a very ugly manner and doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, gives up a lot of walks. That's a recipe for disaster. So I might tell it an 8.1. Looking at the over, set the Brewers where I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 104 on that run line. So looking at Brewers' run line to go along with that 7.5 to 8 over. 953, 954 on the betting board. The Pittsburgh Pirates, they throw it face off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler goes for the Phillies. It is old to be determined who is on the bump for the Pirates. So this game is off the board. Right now, I am thinking that we're going to be getting Mr. Luis Ortiz. And if you get Luis Ortiz versus Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler, I set the Phillies at a minus 274 on the money line. I would need at least plus 275 to take a shot on the Pirates. Want to lay up to about a minus 142 with that Phillies run line. And then with regards to total, eight or less, looking at the over eight and a half or higher to the under with Zach Wheeler. I'm just so highly impressed by this guy. 364 ERA, but I feel like he's pitched significantly better than that. The underlying numbers really do show that he's been getting 10 strikeouts of 1.8 walks per nine innings, giving up right around about a home run per nine innings. 319 fielding independent has been a little bit more rough at home this year than he has been in past years, but has been a tad bit lucky on balls in play. He does enter having given up at least three runs of five out of his last nine starts, but all in all, it's been against really good competition, facing off against the Atlanta Braves twice. 
He's had a few games against teams like the Toronto Blue Jays. You go down the list, and I do feel like he's had a little bit of tough luck just on balls in play in general. That shows itself out. Opponents, in terms of batting average on balls in play this year, right around about a 290. So you'd expect that to be a little bit better for a pitcher of his caliber. Meanwhile, if you do get Luis Ortiz, it's been a little bit of a rough situation for him because with Mr. Ortiz, he just has not been able to do the world's greatest job in terms of command. 5.1 walks per nine, and he's 496 ERA compared to a 558 fielding independent. Not going to go too far on him just because it is a little bit TBD. They do have Bailey Fulcher on the injured list, so you don't have to worry about that. And he's not going to be backed up by the world's worst bullpen. You do have quite a few guys in this Pirates bullpen, like Ryan Baruki, Carmen Moldazinski, the closer, and David Bennard. That'll be able to give you a sub. 3-5 ERA. Colin Holderman can be a little bit of a roll of the dice, and it looks like they're going to be without him for the remainder of the season. Hunter Stratton, though, he's been able to come up to a solid job. Just really hard to have faith in this Pittsburgh Pirates lineup, though. As with the Pirates, you do have Jack Swinitsky, who's been able to do a very solid job, being able to give the team quite a few home runs this far this season at about 26. Post-All-Star break, he really had a rough go of it, but he's been able to rise up ever since then. You do have the likes of Lovar Piguero, Andy Rodriguez, the former number one pick in Henry Davis, Nick Gonzalez. All these guys entered into yesterday, hitting at 235 or lower. And all these guys, really, other than Henry Davis, a sub 305 on base percentage as well. So, not necessarily too terrific on that front. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, the balance of power that you have with this team is absolutely immense. As you've been able to get 45 plus home runs out of Kyle Schwarber thus far this season. Bryce Harper, after he had just three home runs in his first 58 games of the season, he's been able to rise up ever since then. In the last 65 games, He's been able to hit 17 home runs. You've got guys like Bryson Stott, Alec Bohm, who have been able to give you about a 275 average. Yohan Roas is hitting a 300 with about a 340 on base. Trey Turner, he's cooled down a little bit since he had 11 home runs in a 14-game span. But all in all, he's been able to do a solid job. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, they do back up Wheeler with a very good bullpen. You've got Jose Alvarado who's been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. And then you just go down the list of guys that have been pretty rock solid all season long. Guys like... A Jeff Hoffman, everybody will give you a sub-3-5 ERA. Matt Strom has been one of those guys. Heck, ever since he got to down, Dylan Covey, I recognize that as a starter, he was a little bit of a failure in the bullpen, though. So this is nine starts. He's got a sub-3-5 ERA as well. Craig Kimbrell's been a little bit of a roll of the dice, but all in all, has been relatively solid as well. So this is a spot where I am going to be taking a look at the Philadelphia Phillies in terms of a very demonstrative line. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 142 with regards to that run line. Eight or less looking at the over 8.5 or higher to the under. Then 55-956 is going to be the DK Network right-up pick as you've got the Miami Marlins at the road they're facing off against the New York Metropolitans. As you've got David Peterson, great name, going for the Mets. And Jesus Lazardo is on the bump for Miami. This is a total of 7.5 over his minus 120, the unders even with Miami. Find them any between minus 122 and minus 130. Plus 110 is your number on the Mets. I did set my total north of 8. My DK Network write-up pick is going to be on the over. Even if you reach an 8, I would still be taking a look at the over as I did set my total at an 8.1. You've got a pair of teams that had to play a double dip yesterday, so both of these bullpens are completely burnt, and it's not like either of these bullpens were necessarily doing a great job to start with. Entering into the double dip yesterday, the New York Mets, ever since August 1st, being 25th in the league with the guards bullpen area, and the Miami Marlins at 24th. And then you've got Asa Cesardo, who's been having a really rough run of things recently. Four runs or more surrendered in five out of his last 10 starts. He is getting 10.4 strikeouts. For nine innings, and on top of that, he just has not been the same pitcher on the road as he has been at home. For Asos Lazardo, 307 home ERA, 
486 ERA on the road. And for Mr. Lazardo, giving up about 1.4 to 1.5 home runs per nine innings when he ends on the road. Opponents, their batting average rises by darn near 70 points. Now for David Peterson, he and pretty much everyone else on the New York Mets have been significantly better pitching at home rather than on the road. But he enters on a rough run as well. Three plus runs surrendered in each out of his last four starts. In his last four starts in total, a 595 ERA. Giving up three home runs in 19 and two-thirds innings, which isn't too bad. He's been able to get good strikeout numbers as well for Mr. Peterson. He's been able to get 10 strikeouts per nine innings, but it's giving up 1.4 home runs and four walks per nine innings. Now, 318 home ERA compared to a road ERA of a 747. I do think that this is a little bit of a matter of circumstance. If you take a look at some of the competition he's faced at home as compared to on the road, that does explain a lot of the home and road splits that he does have. And it's going up against the Miami Marlins team that ever since the trade deadline, they have been able to do a better job with regards to the home run ball. Overall for the season, Miami is 23rd in the league in terms of home runs on a per at-bat and a per-game basis. But ever since they picked up Jake Berger along with Josh Bell at the trade deadline, they have been 12th with this regard. So there is a little bit of upside there. We have seen their runs per game go from about 4.1 up to about 4.3. So there has been a little bit of improvement on that front. You've got Luis Arias who's been dealing with a few injuries for this Miami Marlins team. So do keep note there, but still have the likes of Brian De La Cruz, Yuli Gurriel, Jazz Shizlum, Longberger, I mentioned, all hitting for the year. About a 248-2 in the neighborhood, about a 260, but with Berger, been a completely different hitter ever since he has gotten to Miami. In Miami, he's been able to get a home run every about 20 or so at best, but hitting well above a 300. Meanwhile, for the Mets, his team, ever since the beginning of the month of August, are actually a top seven team with regards to home runs on a per at bat and a per game basis with Pete Alonso leading the way. He's been able to supply 46 plus home runs thus far this season. Now, the bottom of the fold is what you do fear with this team. You've got guys like Francisco Alvarez, Brett Betty, Jonathan Roos, Tim LaCastro, guys like this. They're in below a 230. Rafael Ortega is only hitting about a 225, but does give you about a 350 on base. And then you do have the likes of HF McDale hitting a 270. Brandon Nimmo has been able to up his power as well. I recognize that the Mets have the worst home batting average of any team in the National League, but you certainly do have that power with Francisco Lindor being able to give you 25-plus home runs. Alvarez has been able to give you 20-plus, so that has been encouraging. And with the way that these two bullpens have struggled, I do think that you're going to be able to get quite a few runs up on the board. My DK Network right to pick is going to be on the over. Asel Cesardo has been a little bit shaky on the road, but with the Mets having to burn up quite a few bullpen pieces yesterday as well, I do think that that is going to be playing a little bit more to the advantage of the Miami Marlins, who they just have a little bit more depth in general with regards to that bullpen as for the Miami Marlins, they picked up Matt Moore. He, along with Andrew Nardi, uh, George Soriano, they're able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA. Meanwhile, with the Mets, only other than Adam Adovino and Brooks Raley, who've been able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA, it's hard to have a lot of faith in guys like Reed Garrett, Grant Hartwig, Trevor God, Phil Bickford, Drew Smith, all these guys with the worth of a 4 ERA. So, did set the Mets more around about a minus 140 on the money line looking there. And my write-up pick, that is going to be on this total over. 9.57, 9.58 on the betting board. It is the Chicago Cubs. They are on the road. They're facing off against the Atlanta Braves. It is confirmed that Marcus Stroman is going to be on the bump for the Cubs. And it is old to be determined who is going to be on the bump for the Braves. This game is off the board. CBS Sports was projecting that we would be getting Dylan Dodd. And if you get the Dodd father going up against Marcus Stroman, set my line to where I'd be setting the Braves at a minus 152 on the money line and made my total at 9.9. So 9.5 or less. Going to be taking a look at the over a 10 or higher. I would be taking a look at this spot under and 
with regards to the Braves. Would not be changing too much if you get some like an A.J. Smith, Schwab, or a lot of these younger guys that we have been seeing for the Atlanta Braves. As Dylan Dodd is probably the worst out of all of them. The Dodd father was really not delivering an offer that you could refuse when he was getting starts at the big league level thus far this season. As for our good friend and Mr. Dodd, six starts. Let's see, got a 762 ERA with 4.4 strikeouts per nine innings. So if you do get like Jared Schuster or something like that, would be a small upgrade. Not a big one, but a small upgrade. And I'm just out on Marcus Stroman. I wish I could put it any other way, but with Marcus Stroman, first three or so months of the season, this guy was looking like one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. It didn't look too sustainable because with Marcus Stroman, he's never been a super duper high strikeout guy. He's been able to get you right around about 7.8 strikeouts per nine innings. That's on par with what he's been doing for the entirety of his career. His walks have risen a little bit recently, but for much of the year, it's been in that neighborhood about three walks per nine innings. And in late June, he was posting up an ERA that was sub-250. But you take a look at things from June 25th on, and he spent quite a bit of time on the injured list. So this is his last 10 total appearances. 825 ERA. Now, it is paired with a 404 fielding advantage. He has been a little bit unlucky in this time span, only giving up three home runs. And that is the name of the game for Marcus Stroman, not giving up a lot of home runs, but he just has not been sharp, and he is dealing with a bullpen that has Michael Fulmer out of the fold, the length, Ed Barrelsley, so they're dealing with those injuries. I like what I've seen out of Julian Merriweather, but this is a Cubs bullpen that they're trying to put it together with a bunch of different pieces like a Mark Leiter Jr. and for the Atlanta Braves. They need to have a bullpen themselves that is not necessarily the world's greatest, but if you do try it out there, something like a Dylan Dodd or something like that, the one thing that you do have is Jackson Stevens. Stevens is able to hold down the fort as a little bit of a long guy. They did have to use him up a little bit on Tuesday for two and a third innings, but he should be good to go here. He's someone that is able to fill about three innings. Has been quite effective for the team last few seasons. That's something that you do like. Michael Tonkin is someone with a sub-four ERA. It's able to give you some innings. And then you've got Pierce Johnson, who in a Braves uniform has been able to give you sub-three ERA. Rossio Iglesias, Kirby Yates have been able to do a solid job. And then with the Atlanta Braves, each of your top five hitters have been able to supply at least 32 home runs as far this season. That's absolutely remarkable. They do it against righties. They do it against lefties. They are leading the league with regards to batting average, on-base percentage, home runs, runs per game. You just go down the list. I mean, the guys like Michael Harris, Orlando Arcia, that are towards the bottom of the fold, these are still guys that are giving you 15-plus home runs. They're still giving you north of a 325 on base. Like, Eddie Rosario's 21 home runs for this team. It's just absolutely insane what you've been able to get as every one of their hitters in the lineup yesterday, all nine of them, at least 17 home runs for the season. Meanwhile, for the Chicago Cubs, this team does a very good job with their balance lineup as well. Yesterday, everyone in their starting lineup, aside from Mr. Masterboni, was able to give you at least a 305 on base percentage. And you've got a nice balance of power with Jameer Candelari back to the fold as Candelario, Cody Bellinger, C.A. Suzuki, Dansby Swanson, Patrick Wisdom, all between 20 and 26 home runs. You can have just off of that with 19 home runs. And then you do have guys like Nico Horner able to move the line. They're dealing with the injury to make Madrigal. But all in all, you do like what you're seeing out of this team, though. You would like to see Cody Bellinger pick it up a little bit. He is the star hitter for this team. Was very white hot post all-star break, but over the last 30 days, more of around about a 330 on base. He's had just one home run in the team's last 14 or so games, so he could pick it up a little bit on that front. So if you do get something like 
Dylan Dodd against Marcus Stroman, something like that. I did set it to where I would be taking a look at a 9.5 or less to the over, a 10 or higher to the under, and with the Chicago Cubs, set them at a plus 152 against Dylan Dodd again. I think that Dylan Dodd is the worst of these starters, so if you get anyone else, probably a little bit of an upgrade to the Braves in this ordeal. And we have ourselves another game that is off the board. 959-960 on the betting board. It is the LA Dodgers. They hit the road. They're facing off against the Colorado Rockies. It is to be determined who is going to be on the bump for the Rockies. And it is to be determined who is going to be on the bump for the LA Dodgers. So this one is completely off the board as of right now. MLB.com has yet to project anyone. Now, on CBS Sports, I was seeing a projection of Ryan Yarbrough going up against Chris Flexen, and whoever the Rockies throw out there is going to be pretty bad. If it's Chris Flexen, it's pretty bad. If it's someone like Carl with a K. Kaufman, it's pretty bad. With the Rockies, you're probably not going to be getting too much of an upgrade, regardless of who goes out there in this one. And if it would be Yarbrough against Chris Flexen, set the Dodgers at a minus 148 on the run line, minus 238 on the money line, so we need at least about a plus 239 to take a shot on Colorado. And somebody told to wear a 12 and a half or less, looking at the over at 13 or higher to the under. And I do think that the best move that the Dodgers could make in this spot would be Ryan Yarbrough, because if you do get him, and I think that he factors into this somehow, some way. The last time he pitched was on Friday. He's actually been pretty solid with the LA Dodgers, as he's been giving up overall for the season. It's time between the Royals and the LA Dodgers, about two walks per nine innings since getting to Los Angeles. 3-1-2 ERA, very much a pitcher contact guy, though. With Los Angeles, he's been able to get nine strikeouts per nine innings. Earlier in the year, he was getting more in the neighborhood of about like five strikeouts per nine innings, so I do find that to be a little bit striking, but all in all, I actually do like the way that Ryan Yarbrough has been able to pitch, and he's backed up by a bullpen in the LA Dodgers that ever since the beginning of the month of July has been a top two bullpen in the National League, as got a nice fearsome threesome in Broussard Gratterall, Caleb Ferguson, along with Evan Phillips. Phillips has been a little bit more shaky recently, but all in all, these guys have still been able to do a solid job. You're able to throw in there Shelby Miller, who just came off the injured list as well, and all these guys are giving you a sub-3 RA when they're actually in the bullpen. Caleb Ferguson got lit up as a starter a few days ago, but overall, these guys have been able to do a relatively solid job. And for the Colorado Rockies, this has been the worst bullpen in the big league since the beginning of the month of July. You've seen the likes of Daniel Bard, along with Jake Bird, Justin Lawrence, Tyler Kinley, all post up north of five ERAs ever since the All-Star break. And for the Colorado Rockies, they don't have to, as demonstrative of home and road betting splits as they have in past years. Last year, they were putting up right around 5.7 runs per contest when they were at home, more like three runs per game on the road. This year, more like 5.2 or so runs per game when they've been at home on the road, more around about 3.6 to 3.7 runs per contest. So it's been a little bit more stable there, but they just don't have a lot of power as they are in the bottom five of the big leagues with regards to home runs out of per at-bat and a per-game basis. They have been able to get Charlie Blackman along with Chris Bryant back at the fold, a pair of guys that certainly are able to move the line, but neither have necessarily done a ton this year with Blackman. He has given you about a 370 on base. Power just has not been there in general. He has been able to hit relatively solidly at home, and Ryan McMahon has been able to give you 23 home runs. The guy that has been able to rise up quite a bit for this team, Nolan Jones, overall for the campaign, north of a 380 on base. He entered into yesterday with 19 total home runs, and over the last three days, about a 450 on base. So, He's been able to do a nice job for the Rockies, but the problem is everyone else around him just has not been able to give you a whole lot of lot as Elias Montero along with Brendan Rodgers. Some of these younger guys, they've been very shaky to say the least. Rodgers has actually hit okay over the last few days, but still this is a lineup that is quite suspect. And for the LA Dodgers, 
They are very much all or nothing in their games in uh, Colorado. We saw them in the double dip on Tuesday. Score one run in game number one and then 11 runs in game number two. That's sometimes what you're going to get of the Dodgers, but they are the number one team in the big leagues with regards to walks drawn on a per at-bat and a per-game basis. You've got a pair of guys, Max Muncy, Mookie Betts, both with 36-plus home runs entering into what we saw on Wednesday. Betts has cooled down a little bit, but still has been able to give you north of a 400 on base over the last 40 days. Freddie Freeman, a 400 on base overall for the season. And you've gotten good results out of the likes of Will Smith, Jason Hayward in terms of being able to get on base, and James Zellman. He's been able to generate quite a bit more power recently as well. Got off to a nice start to the season. Cooled down a little bit towards the middle, but 340 on base with six home runs in his last 90 at-bats, entering into yesterday as well. So I do think that the LA Dodgers should be able to put it on the Rockies if you get someone like a Chris Flex, and he's been completely awful all season long. And really, regardless of who the Rockies are out there, not a good ordeal. So, and something like Yarbrough versus Flex, and this isn't going to vary too much based on the Rockies starter. Set the Dodgers more round about a minus 148 on the run line and 12 and a half or less. Looking at the over and a 13 or higher would be taking a look at the under 961, 962 on the banking board. The Oakland A's at the road face off against the Minnesota Twins as Luis Medina goes for the A's and Sonny Gray is on the bump for Minnesota. Minnesota between a minus 255 to a minus 265 favorite. If you're looking to lay a run and a half on that run line, as between minus 120 to a minus 125. Meanwhile, with the A's between plus 215 to a plus 230 is your number there. And half is the total over and under are both at minus 110. And with the Oakland A's, I did need at least a plus 246 to be able to dive in on that money line. And I set my run line to the Twins where I am willing to lay up to a minus 125 with it. I am not willing to lay anything more than a minus 125, but I am going to be willing to lay that minus 125 with Luis Medina. He's been a little bit more respectable, but... Still has his issues overall as a pitcher as he has been giving up a little bit north of four walks per nine innings of command. Just has not been there. As a matter of fact, 4.7 walks per nine innings now. Has been able to shape up a little bit more here with regards to being able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up just two home runs over the course of his last five starts. But those walks, they just keep building. Three plus walks surrendered in three out of his last four starts. And that has led to him giving up three plus runs in four out of his last five as well. Now going up against the Minnesota Twins team that they do it different at home rather than on the road. These splits have been a little bit less demonstrative here in the second half of the year rather than the first half of the year as they have been dealing with a few ailments as Byron Buxton has been out of the fold. They've been dealing with Joey Gallo as well being out as Gallo along with Michael A. Taylor, Carlos Correa, along with Max Kepler have been your main masters for this team. All these guys have been able to give you at least 18 home runs as far this season, but some of these younger guys, like a Matt Walner, have been able to step up. He's been able to give you a home run in every about 14 or so at-bats, moving the line with north of a 350 on base. You've been able to get really good production out of Royce Lewis as well. He's got those four grand slams over the last 40 days. It's been absolutely incredible with him hitting above a 300 with right around a 365 on base. Alex Kurloff being able to do a good job of moving the line. That's a big reason why the Minnesota Twins have been a top four team here in the second half of the season with regards to runs per game, despite the fact that they don't hit for a great average. They're 22nd in the league, getting about a 242. They're okay at being able to draw walks, but they're not necessarily great, but certainly have been a little bit better at home. And they go up against an Oakland A's lineup that they have been able to do most of their damage when they have been on the road. With the Oakland A's, it's not like they're great with regards to being able to hit on the road. They're hitting a 216 at home compared to a 232 with regards to average on the road. And with regards to runs per game, they're dead stinking last. Every team in the big leagues, aside from the Oakland A's, averaging at least four runs per contest with the A's. 
3.3 runs per contest at home, 3.9 on the road. So, I mean, once again, not great, but it's a little bit more respectable. You've got someone like Zach Giloff, who's been able to give you north of 13 home runs, hitting about a 275. So, he's been able to do a solid job on that front. And then you've been able to have Brent Rooker out of his 28 or so home runs this season. All but 11 of them have been coming on the road. Ryan Noda has been able to give you north of a 400 base when he's been on the road. But still have guys like... Kevin Smith, J.J. Blade when he's been out there as he's been dealing with a little bit of an injury. Tyler Soderstrom, along with Jonathan Butler, all these guys that have been hitting a sub-225 for this team. Alamendi Ziaz, along with Tony Kemp. You just go down the line as well. And for the Minnesota Twins, bullpen has actually been relatively solid recently. You've got guys like Emilio Pagan. Cody Funderburg, obviously the closer, and Yohan Duran, along with Griffin Jacks. These guys have been able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA. And for Sonny Gray, he just continues to do a good job of being able to induce some soft contact. Now, it's going to be helped out a little bit more by the fact that you get to go up against the Oakland A's in this ordeal, but we recall that Sonny Gray was having his command issues towards the middle part of the season, and he's really been able to rectify those, and he comes in in really good form, having allowed a grand total of five earned runs over the course of his last five starts. Overall, for the campaign, Sonny Gray about a 280 ERA, 285 fielding independent, which is the best fielding independent mark in the entirety of the American League, giving up 0.4 home runs per nine innings, nine strikeouts and 2.7 walks per nine innings. Really like what I've seen out of him. Don't want to be laying too much on this run line of the Minnesota Twins, but at a minus 125 or less, I am going to be one to lay it. And I did set my toilet at 8.4. As for Luis Medina, he's been able to cut down on the deep ball a little bit more with the Twins. Still don't necessarily have a ton of faith with this lineup, so going to be looking at that 8.5 under. I think that Sonny Gray goes out there and dominates, so going to be taking a look at the Twins on the run line. 9.63, 9.64 on the betting board. It is against the Royals. They throw they're facing off against the Detroit Tigers as Sawyer Gibson Long goes for the Tigers and Cole Reagans is on the bump for Kansas City. With Kansas City, you're finding them anywhere between a minus 105 to a minus 115 with the Tigers. Pretty much a minus 105 to a minus 110 is what you're getting there. So essentially a pick'em game. Seven to seven half is the total on the seven. Over is minus 120. The unders even on the seven half. Over is anywhere between minus 110 to a minus 105. Unders between minus 110 to a minus 115. And I think we've went a little bit too low with this total. I did set it at a 7.6. I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and it's not because of these two starting pitchers. Both of these guys have been tremendous in their relatively small sample size. We've had a little bit more of a sample size with Cole Reagans as with Reagans, he got shipped over to the Kansas City Royals towards the beginning part of the month of August. He was part of that Roldis Chapman deal, and in his 11 starts with the Kansas City Royals, this guy's been absolutely incredible. 234 ERA, 248 fielding independent, 11.2 strikeouts, with 0.4 home runs allowed per nine innings. He has given up three earned runs or fewer in all but one of his starts ever since joining the Kansas City Royals. This has just been absolutely remarkable. Meanwhile, with Sawyer Gibson Long, it's been a little bit of a smaller sample size. He's only made three starts as a member of the Detroit Tigers, but he's given up two runs or fewer in every one of them. He's got some good swing and miss stuff. This guy, I do think, has quite a nice future with regards to the Detroit Tigers, but you've been noticing that they haven't really been trusting him to go much more than five innings, which means that you are going to be needing to trot out there quite a bit of the bullpen, and when it comes to both of these bullpens, it is very much a roll of the dice. As for the Royals, someone like a Colin Snyder providing about a 450 or so with regards to his ERA, that's one of the more trustworthy pieces that you're going to be finding in this bullpen, which that tells you all that you need to know about these schlubs. As you've got so many guys like Stephen Cruz, James MacArthur, Tucker Davidson, Taylor Clark, you just go down the list of guys that are supplying 
well north of a 4-5 ERA. It is completely rampant. Meanwhile, with the Detroit Tigers, Alex Lang, Jason Foley, Tyler Holton, these guys have actually been relatively solid for the team. They've been able to give you a sub-4 ERA, but you do roll a little bit of a dice when it comes to a lot of these longer guys that you are going to be finding. And when it comes to Detroit Tigers, it's not necessarily like these guys are matching the ball or anything like that, but Spencer Torkelson has been able to pick it up a little bit. Going into the game on Wednesday, he has been able to provide the team with 29 home runs this far this season. Kerry Carpenter, he's been able to do a solid job being able to move the line about a 350 or so on base. He's been able to slug out 20-plus home runs as well. And then you've got other guys that will be able to rise up a little bit more, like a Parker Meadows doesn't necessarily hit for average, but he's been able to do a good job with about a 340, 350 on base as well. You certainly do have those guys like Jake Rogers along with Javi Baez. They just have not been able to produce like a lot. You're able to throw in there Zach Shore, Tyler Nevin. It's been rough to say the least, but all in all, I do think that we are just a little bit too low with regards to the total because I really cannot trust in either of these two bullpens, so I do think that both of these starters, they are going to be able to fire a good start, especially with the Royals' inconsistency themselves on offense, as you've had Bobby Witt Jr. be able to hit right around a 300 ever since the All-Star break. He's been able to do a good job slugging out 20-plus home runs. You still have Salvador Perez out there giving you a good effort with 20-plus home runs, but likes of MJ Melendez, Michael Massey, Drew Waters, Nelson Velasquez, all throughout the season. They've been aiming between about a 225 to 235, though I will say, for Velasquez, ever since he's gotten to the Royals, he's been hitting a home run every darn near 10 at bat, so he's been able to do a relatively solid job as well, and I do think that in this sort of an ordeal, a 7 is just a little bit too low. I do think that Raggins is a better starter out of these two. He's going to be able to deliver a little bit more length, but I also do think that the Royals' bullpen is markedly worse than the Detroit Tigers, and with the Tigers being the home team, I did make them a very slight favorite at a minus 114, so going to be riding with the Tigers on the money line, so by tell at some point so going to be diving in on the over as well. 965-966 on the betting board. It is the Boston Red Sox. They hit the road. They're facing off against the Baltimore Orioles. Chris Sale goes for Boston, and Dean Kramer is on the bump for Baltimore. Currently, no numbers are up on this game anywhere, which I do find to be a little bit fascinating, but I've got myself a handicap. Minus 136 is the number that I made, the Baltimore Orioles, and with regards to the total, I set it at an 8.6. 8.5 or less, going to be taking a look at the over. A 9 or higher, I'm going to be taking a look at the under with Chris Sale. He has pitched much better than what the raw ERA would indicate, as he still has been able to get those right around 11 strikeouts per 9 innings. has been, honestly, a pretty good guy in terms of not giving up the deep ball too much. 1.3 home runs, surrender per 9 innings. He did give up a pair of home runs the last time he faced off against the Baltimore Orioles, so on this has been a little bit of a kryptonite team for him all season long when he has faced off against the Orioles. Less than terrific results last time he did so. Seven runs, six of which were earned. Give it up in four innings. So a little bit of an Achilles heel for him. And for Dean Kramer, he has been a different pitcher here in the second half of the season than the first half. He has been able to do a better job of being able to get some swings and misses this year as well. He's up to right around eight strikeouts to three walks per nine innings. But he gives up the deep ball himself, giving up about 1.5 home runs per nine innings. Now, once again, second half of the season has been doing much less of this as he has given up two home runs over the course of his last six starts. And if you take a look post-All-Star break, so you go back to July 14th on in this time span, I believe that he has made a grand total of 13 starts. He has given up seven home runs in about 70 innings, 350 ERA, 422 fielding independent. But all in all, I do like what I've seen out of him for the Orioles, despite the fact that Felix Bautista is currently out of the fold. This is so a bunch that has one of the top six bullpens 
in the big leagues ever since the beginning of the month of July as you've had the likes of Danny Colomb, Jacob Webb, Yanir Cano, I'll be able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA. Do have some question marks with regards to like a D.L. Hall or a Lopez has had a relatively rough year, but all in all, these guys have been pretty solid, but you do have a Red Sox team on the flip side that even with Kenley Jansen now back in the fold, you do have a bullpen that still has some question marks. Chris Martin has been amazing. He's been able to give this team a sub-2 ERA. Got the likes of a Josh Winkowski, Brendan Bernardino. have been able to give you good results all season long, but past that, when you get into the long guys like Zach Kelly and company, that's where you do have your question marks. And for the Boston Red Sox, they've been hitting about 40 points lower on the road than they have been at home, and now they're looking to a bunch of younger guys. As you notice that they had Rafael Devers out of the fold yesterday. They have been dealing with a few ailments that have hurt them, like a Jaron Duran. They're out of the playoff race, so you do have to be wondering if they're going to be giving some younger guys. And this is not a younger guy, but a guy that's been out of the fold all season long, like Trevor Story, just some more reps in general. As some of these younger guys have actually been very solid. Sadine, Rafael, hopefully I said that correctly, along with Weiler, Abreu. These guys have actually been really good. Abreu is hitting north of a 350. Rafaela, not necessarily a ton of pop, but he's been able to do a solid job of moving the line. You still have some like a Justin Turner who's been able to give you about a 350 on base overall for the season, 20-plus home runs. This has not been the just absolutely electric home run inning team, but you've got Bobby Dahl back in the fold. He missed much of the season. They brought him back up, and he's been looking relatively solid. Meanwhile, for the Boston Red Sox, they have to try to shut down an Orioles team that over their last 37 games are averaging darn near six runs per contest. The Orioles don't necessarily have that one guy that's going to go out there and is going to completely light the world on fire and is going to be a guy that you completely fear, but they just have a whole is greater than the sum of its parts approach. As for much of the year, they did have Adley Rushman at the leadoff spot. They have been utilizing a little bit of Austin Hayes, a little bit of Gunnar Henderson, ever since the last few weeks or so, but really outside of Adley Rushman, along with Aaron Hicks, pretty much everyone else within the starting lineup, they give you about a 310 to a 335 on base. Really not much more, really not much less. And how big has Jordan Hicks been for this team? He was terrible with the New York Yankees this year. Ever since getting to Baltimore, he has been able to supply about a 380 or so on base. You've got Rushman, who I was mentioning a little bit before. He's more of a 370 on base guy who's been able to slug out 20-plus home runs this year. Anthony Santander, Gunnar Henderson, these have been your two main home run hitters, both hitting about a 260, both hitting for about a 330 on base between 27 and 29 home runs apiece. And then someone like Hayes has been able to hit about a 280. You've got a little bit of a situational player in Ryan O'Hearn, who's been able to hit just below a 300 as well. Jordan Westberg, sometimes he's in, sometimes he's out, but he's been able to do a good job moving the line with about a 320 on base. With the depth of the Orioles, they're able to platoon against righties versus lefties as well. And that's something that the Boston Red Sox just don't have at this point due to injury. So I do have some faith that the Orioles should be able to get it done, even though Chris Sale has been rather solid, even though the ERA being north of a four when indicated just has had a tough time with this Orioles team all season long. So at a minus 135 or less, going to be taking a look at the Orioles at and after less, looking at the over at 9 or higher to the under. 967-968 on the bank board, the New York Yankees hit the road face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Chris Bassett has the oath line and sinker for the Jays, and Luke Weaver is on the bump for the Yankees. 8.5 to 9 is the total on the 9. The under is minus 120, and the over is even with the Blue Jays. They're between minus 167 and minus 186 favorites, and between plus 150 and plus 160 is your number on the Yankees. I set the Blue 
Blue Jays at a minus 187 on the money line. I was pretty much willing to go even money or better with regards to the run line, finding that at a plus 115. So sign me up there. With Luke Weaver, he's actually been able to pitch a little bit better ever since he's gotten to the New York Yankees, which is his third team this season. It's just been a wild and crazy ride for our good friend and Mr. Luke Weaver, but for the entirety of the season, Luke Weaver, 647, he already in a 555 fielding independent, and he's just given up the deep ball too much. Three walks and two home runs, surrender per nine innings, and swing and miss stuff has been okay, not great, not terrible. In his last few starts with the New York Yankees, has honestly looked relatively okay. Last few starts, a combined nine and a third innings, giving up three runs against the Pirates and the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's something that can hold down the fort, but I don't think that he's going to be able to keep this up now. He is going up against the Toronto Blue Jays team that has been all over the stinking place this season with their offense, and they just have not been the same offense when they've been at home rather than when they've been on the road. As for the Blue Jays, they're averaging about 4.1 runs per contest at home and 5 runs per contest on the road. The new ballpark dimensions out there in Toronto, I think, have badly affected this team as you've got all these teams down with regards to their power number. It says Flagler Jr. has been able to give you about 24 to 25 home runs this season. He's applying about a 340 on base. And, I mean, these guys are still doing a solid job of being able to get on for the Toronto Blue Jays. says you've got just a big giant slog of guys that have between about a 322 to about a 340 on base. Boba Kevin Biggio, Matt Chapman, Whit Merrifield, Kevin Kiermeyer, don't call his name, Alejandro Kirk, all these guys. And then with like Bichette, George Springer, they're both hitting about 20 home runs as far as the season. Dalton Varsho, about 20 home runs as far as the season, but they just haven't been able to drive them in. And they are going up against the New York Yankees, Simo, which it's just been deplorable what you've gotten out of this offense. Aaron Judge continues to give you a home run every about 10 or so at bat. 36 bombs, 400 on base, and Glaber Torres does not deserve any slander either. He's going to give you about a 345 on base, 20 plus home runs. But then you've got so many guys that just are doing nothing for the team. Austin Wells, Oswaldo Cabrera, Oswaldo Peraza, Everson Pereira, Ben Roadfit, Anthony Volpe, John Carlos Stanton, Jake Bowers, all hitting at 220 or lower. Pretty much all these guys have a sub 300 on base now. With Volpe along with John Carlos Stanton, they have been able to supply 20 plus home runs, but been a big giant issue on the Yankees. Their number one bullpen with regards to ERA, it is a little bit misleading because for much of the year they had Michael King out there. Now they've had to transform him into a starter. They're without Wani Peralta as he's dealing with a little bit of an injury. You've had guys like Ian Hamilton, Nick Ramirez, Clay Holmes overall have relatively solid performances this year, but now you've got Tommy Canely out of the fold, so now like Matt Bowman is having to take on some more innings. I personally have never been the biggest Greg Weisert guy as well. He's having to throw a little bit more on for the Blue Jays. This is a pretty rock-solid bullpen that does rank in the top eight in the big leagues with regards to ERA. The two guys that they acquired from St. Louis and Genesis Cabrera, Jordan X, both in a Jays uniform, sub-3 ERA, and then you've got Tim Meza, Jordan Romano, Jay Jackson, who have been able to give you sub-3-3 ERAs, having Bowden Francis out of the fold has been a little bit rough, and for Chris Bassett, he has been a little bit all over the place this year, 374 ERA, closer to about a 4-2 fielding independent as he has been giving up the deep ball, about 1.3 home runs per nine innings, but has been a completely different pitcher at home rather than on the road, 308 home ERA, 4.50 ERA on the road. For Bassett, giving up about 0.8 home runs per nine innings when he's at home. On the road, 1.9 home runs. 
per nine innings, the walks per nine rate. In both locations, it's right around about 2.6, 2.7. The strikeouts per nine rate being in the neighborhood about eight is the same in both locations as well, but has really been able to reduce the deep ball. You can tell that Toronto is playing a little bit more pitcher-friendly, so very interesting circumstance. I did set my total here at an 8.9, so seeing the nine out there, I'd be willing to go under there. Personally, that nine is at DraftKings. Everywhere else is an 8.5, so what is available to me is 8.5. I'll be taking a look at that over, and with the Blue Jays, want to lay the minus 1.5 on the road line. 969 970 on the bang board. It is the Texas Rangers on the road facing up against the Seattle Rangers. Logan Gilbert goes for Seattle. Jordan Montgomery is on the bump for Texas. Texas back to being an underdog of between plus 105 to a plus 115. Between minus 115 to a minus 135. Your number on Seattle, 7.5 is the total over and under. Anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. And I did set the Mariners at a minus 132. I'm going to be willing to lay the money line. Recognize that the Mariners are coming off of a less than savory sweep when they face off against the Texas Rangers last time around. But I do think that Logan Gilbert is going to be a good stabilizer as he's been able to do a nice job with his command and being able to stay in control of himself all season long. As for Logan Gilbert, he does a nice job giving you nine strikeouts and 1.8 walks per nine innings. You know that you're going to be able to get a good approach from him as he's been able to do a pretty solid job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Giving up about 1.3 home runs per nine innings has acted up a little bit, giving up four home runs over the course of his last three starts. But his last start against the Texas Rangers, he performed quite well. Gave up two runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings on the road against the Texas Rangers. That is certainly a passable start. And he goes up against someone in Jordan Montgomery that I feel like is much cut from the same cloth. As with Jordan Montgomery, he doesn't necessarily do one thing great. He's not going to blow you away. He's just a very stabilizing and steady force between his time with the Cardinals and the Texas Rangers. Eight strikeouts to about two and a half walks per nine innings. Doesn't give up the deep ball a lot. 325 ERA, 353 fielding the pennant. So I do think that both of these guys, for the most part, are going to be canceling each other out just a little bit. But with regards to the Seattle Banners, they certainly do have the better bullpen in this ordeal. As with Seattle, you've got so many guys like Taylor Cicado, Andres Munoz, Isaiah Campbell, Matt Brash should be able to give you a sub 3.5 ERA. You've had Gabe Spire be a little bit up and down for the team all season long. But overall, this is a very good bullpen. Meanwhile, Aroldis Chapman and Jose LeClerc have been really the lone two guys that have been stable for the Texas Rangers. Will Smith is up to about a 4-5 ERA. You've had some varying results from Brock Burke as well. And then with the Texas Rangers, it's just all about how much can this offense generate in a very pitcher-friendly environment in Seattle that now that it's late September, balls that were flying out in June and July, they just aren't going to be at this time of year. You've got Corey Seager, Adolis Garcia with a combined 70 home runs between the two of them. And with Garcia, he was the only guy in the starting lineup for the team yesterday for the Texas Rangers hitting below a 260. It's just absolutely incredible what they're able to throw out there as Nathaniel Lowe, Jonah High, Mitch Garver, all between 17 and 19 home runs, all inning north of a 260. You've been able to get a really good production out of Marcus Simeon at the top of the fold. He's up to 28 home runs. He's been able to hit north of a 275 and getting back to Seager. Still giving you right around about a 330 average, nearly a 400 base. That has been absolutely remarkable as well. And with Simeon, eight home runs over the course of his last about 110 at bats, 350 on base over the last three days. He's been able to do a relatively incredible job. But I do think that for the Seattle Mariners, going up against a little bit more of a pitcher contact guy in Jordan Montgomery is going to be big for them because this is a Mariners team that they do whiff quite a bit, but you do have out there in the fold three guys that will give you at least 25 home runs this far this season. Tasker Hernandez. 
Cal Raleigh, along with Julio Rodriguez. You do need Rodriguez to be able to move the line a little bit more because with him in August, the big reason why the Seattle Mariners were able to have that big month is that he was giving them north of a 450 on base over the last three days. He's back to about a 330 with regards to his on base. He's had just one home run over the course of his last 14 games going into what we saw last night. So him being able to get on is big because J.P. Crawford has been a nice little table setter at the top. He's been able to give you about a 400 base ever since the All-Star break, but you've got guys like Adil Moore, Sam Haggerty, that you could just use a little bit more from, and Eugenio Suarez has been able to do a relatively solid job as well. Mike Bilford, tough, has been able to give you a home run every about 13 or so at-bats, but I do think that Logan Gilbert and Jordan Montgomery cancel each other out. I do think that that Mariners bullpen in a pitcher-friendly environment going to be able to get the job done and is going to be able to suppress a Texas Rangers offense that just has not been the same when they've been on the road rather than when they've been at home, averaging about 5.1 runs per contest on the road compared to 6 runs per game at home. So I did sell my total at 7.9. I'm going to be looking at the 7.5 over. I think we went a little bit too low. Certainly, I don't think that the Rangers are putting up north of 5 runs in this one, but I think at 7.5, we just went a little bit too far here. And with Seattle, want to lay up to a minus 132 on the money line, and we're up things up with 971, 972 on the betting board. The Chicago White Sox, play the Arizona Diamondbacks. Tuki Dusan goes for the White Sox, and Ben Jarvis is getting the start for the Diamondbacks. This game is off the board, and with regards to this one, I am going to be willing to lay up to a minus 164 on the Diamondbacks money line, and I'd be willing to lay up to about a minus 105 with regards to that run line as well. So my total to wear a nine or less. Going to be taking a look at the over a nine and a half higher to the under with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I can't say I'm completely sold on this team being a postseason team because they are going to have to face off against the Houston Astros after this, but I think that they should be able to slide past a bunch in the Chicago White Sox that currently have the worst record ever since the All-Star break in the big leagues. It has been absolutely awful, and for Tuki Toussaint, in his time between his few appearances with the Cleveland Guardians and the Chicago White Sox for the season, 5.10 ERA, 5.08 field independent with 5.9 walks per nine innings allowed. I mean, he's done an okay job giving up just 1.1 home runs per nine innings. And kind of regretted too. He's given up two runs or fewer in three out of his last four starts. The one that he didn't, though, he got three outs and he gave up eight runs. This guy is just completely unstable. You don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him night in and night out. And with Ben Jarvis, I do think that this is probably going to be a very short, like, opener plus start. I think that he's going to be able to give you a little bit more than, like, an inning or two. But when it comes to Bryce Jarvis, I think I was calling him Ben, so... I do apologize to Mr. Jarvis there. I do think that he's going to be able to do a solid job holding down the fort as he's been utilized mostly as a long reliever in three out of his last four appearances coming out of the bullpen. He was utilized for two plus innings, and I think that that's exactly what he's going to be here. Overall for the year, Jarvis, 245 ERA compared to a 5.11 fielding independent. That's because he just has such a stinking small sample size that it's really hard to tell. 18 and a third innings, he's only been able to get eight strikeouts along with eight walks in this time span. Overall, if you take a look at what he was able to do at the minor league level, because I think that this is a little bit of better gauge. The 5 ERA does stand out, but keep in mind for most of his starts, he was pitching in the PCL. That is a juice ball league where having to go to places like lovely Las Vegas, Reno, Albuquerque, places at elevation, places with a lot of heat. That's honestly not too bad, and he's going up against a White Sox team that's completely dead at this point. I mean, my goodness, these guys are showing absolutely no effort whatsoever. They got completely shut out yesterday for the White Sox. You do have guys that are honestly hitting for a relatively good average, but they're just not moving the line because they are dead last in the big leagues 
with regards to walks around on a per at-bat basis. You've got one guy currently that has been able to give you north of a 320 on base in Andrew Benatendi. Yes, Benatendi, Andrew Vaughn, Luis Robert. You go down the list of guys in between about a 262-275, and they bench a lot of their guys yesterday. Like, Luis Robert was not in the fold, and they were pinch hitting with Taylor Naquin. So, this is a White Sox team that it feels like they have very much decided, ah, you know what, the season is done, and I don't think that we're going to be seeing Robert for the rest of the season. I think that they put him on the injured list, and that makes a already bad offense even worse. Meanwhile, Christian Walker, he had been really struggling coming into the series, and then he hits multiple home runs in game number one of this set with six RBI, and now he's back to being able to mash a little bit more as things have been rough with him. 33 home runs, that leads the team, and then you've got Lourdes Gurriel, Corbin Carroll, Quito Marte. We'll be able to give you about 24 to 25 home runs apiece with Marte along with Corbin Carroll. They've been able to give you about a 360 on base as well. Bottom of the fold with guys like Emmanuel Rivera, Geraldo Perdomo. They need to give you a little bit more, but the Diamondbacks should be able to beat up on the White Sox in this spot, even though the bullpen pitching of the Arizona Diamondbacks, it has been suspect. Bottom 10 with regards to ERA in the bullpen since the beginning of the month of July. You still do have Jarvis, I think, is going to be able to deliver a couple of solid innings. Kevin Ginkle has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA as well. Kyle Nelson has fallen off a little bit towards back half of the season, but I know that they've been utilizing Slate Sony as a little bit of a long guy as well. Would not be surprised to see him pitch a few innings for the White Sox. This bullpen is just absolutely terrible. Gregory Santos has been able to give you a sub-4 ERA, but when you're looking at guys like Aaron Bummer, along with Brian Shaw, Lane Ramsey, all these guys have given you north of a 3-5 year. I actually like the pickup of Yohan Ramirez. I do think that's going to be a rough state of affairs. So I did set the Diamondbacks minus 164 on the money line. Willing to lay up to a minus 105 with regards to the run line. And then nine or less going to be taking a look at the over nine and a half prior to the under. And that will wrap things up for the Thursday edition of the Baseball Betting Show. Now part of the Visa Family of Podcasts. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citroen, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one or two ways we all fire those in. First one is my X timeline at Gina underscore one. Keep in mind, Lurzy M, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please send these into the timeline. The other way, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like here on this podcast via that five star review, and I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. And we'll be coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host 
of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.